Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. Happy to have Mark Laudy, the managing partner of Riabu. We're going to talk about our international news weekend review. Mark, uh, good morning. Welcome back to the studio. Good to see you. We've been friends for many years now. Good morning, Glenn. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, I was just thinking, we have known each other for 15 years now as of this fall. Crazy, huh? Uh, <laughs> yes, how time passes. We were just talking about how um, the kids that we knew as toddlers are all of a sudden gearing up for university. Oh, man, it's just happening too fast, happening too fast. But, Mark, uh, thanks. Because of your news experience, and you're always a great guest. You've been on this show before with Jason Dacey and talking about the what's happening in, in the world around us. And we're going to talk um, We're gonna talk a little bit about your, your new business venture as well. Let's get into the international headlines first, because I think we can. We got a lot to chip away at mm-hmm. uh, what's happening. Of course, this week, um, we had the prospect of global recession facing us with the uh, convergence of issues, the bond rates inverting, the U.S.-China trade war, the numbers, bad numbers, production numbers coming out of, of, of China, of Germany, unrest in Hong Kong, so much happening. Uh, what's your take on, on what this potential for global recession is looking like right now, uh, and based on the events that we've seen this past week? Well, in some ways, you could say that it's surprising that it hasn't, we haven't had a recession already, <laughs> given all of the issues yeah. that have uh, been with us now actually for a couple of years. And we could add Brexit to the list. Of for example, the uncertainty alone, quite apart from the exit of the UK from the EU, you would have thought been enough to make people slow down their spending, reduce their investments, and therefore bring about that recession. So perhaps what we should uh, remark about is the resilience that despite the issues that we've seen, and you've already mentioned some, but not all, it's surprising that we haven't had a recession already. Mm. That's, I guess, the first aspect. The second part is that if you talk to people around town, they'll tell you that the recession is already underway. Yeah. And you and I both attend many conferences and you know the chatter among the, the delegates is that there really is already a great deal of trepidation and reduction in expenditure. And of course, one man's expenditure is another man's revenue. So uh, perhaps things are at least very soft. Well, in, in our neighborhood, if I can put it that way already, I've, I've seen uh, two or three instances just in the past couple of weeks of conferences that and big gatherings that were going to happen in Hong Kong where the sponsors have now canceled. They're just like, you know, we're just not going to go there, literally and figuratively at this moment. Well, it's no surprise if you don't know whether you can actually arrive at the airport <laughs> or leave at the end of the conference. Sure. So, so I'd say it's, there'd be nobody who would say anything to the contrary that you hope that things will settle in some way. Now, how, of course, depends on who you ask, how they should settle, how these things should be resolved. Yeah. But it's quite clear that for the people of Hong Kong and the economy there, that uh, some sort of resumption of normalcy is imperative. Well, and let's shift to that story right now. The, the Cathay CEO and their head of uh, customer uh, service uh, quit this week. Pressure from Beijing, uh, one could say, over the fact that some Cathay uh, staff were involved in the protests. Of course, a couple of staff were fired over that. And now we're hearing the the T word come out of some quarters in China, the mainland terrorism being equated to the protesters. Hong Kong is a long way from out of the woods um, with uh, with what's going on with the protests there. Um, you travel there often, I know, and, and you have clients there. What what is the what is your sense of um, what's the way? Is is there a way out uh, in any kind of soft landing scenario for Hong Kong and and getting that business confidence and, and tourism sentiment back up? The departure of Rupert Hogg after two years as CEO of Cathay, um, I suppose the biggest part of that story is the fact that just two days earlier he had said it was okay for Cathay staff to voice their opinions. Mm. And yet here they here they were just a 
you know, by Friday, he was tendering his resignation because uh, the Chinese authorities then didn't want anybody involved in the protests to um, actually fly to the country, cabin uh, crew. Or uh, fly over the country. Indeed. Even. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, two pilots, as you mentioned, yeah. uh, were among those let go. So I, I suppose there is still some um, getting to know how the other is going to react, um, you know, because presumably if Cathay's management had known that their staff were going to be sanctioned in mm. this way for, for taking part in the process, then protests rather, then they would have presumably reined them in far earlier. Right. Uh, and so, so obviously it's quite complicated that if your employer says, yes, you can take part in the protests on Tuesday and then tells you, sorry, you're fired on Thursday, then obviously that, that points to some misalignment in understanding of where the other party is coming from. And then the following says, well, by the way, I'm stepping down <laughs> as the CEO. <laughs> uh, correct. Rupert Hock uh, and, and Paul Liu, the, yeah. the head of customers, as, as you said. Yeah. So can no- Hong Kong ever get back to normality? You know, arguably, and once again, we could have foreseen all of this mm. because remember that in 1997, when the British uh, handed over to the Chinese uh, as part of their agreement, there were some measures built in that would retain some level of autonomy for Hong Kong, except for defense being one of the biggest. Sure. One pa- uh, country, two systems uh, became a term that, that we all got to know and, and to use. But what people probably forgot was that this was only supposed to go for 50 years. And at some point, either the Chinese were going to have to adopt the Hong Kong model or the Hong Kong were going to have to adopt the Chinese model. And I'll leave it to your imagination <laughs> which one of those it was going to be. Uh, not so, much imagination needed, no, necessarily. No, not much needed, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that would be like the, the dog wagging the tail or the tail wagging the dog. Mm, right? mm. Um, so to some extent, the dispute that that's currently underway, the protests, the discussion, the trying to work out the way ahead Mm. is something that was always going to come upon Hong Kong. And one might also say that if after that 50-year expiration clause that the British uh, put into the agreements, 50 years after 1997, you could then also say, well, was that going to be a slow transition over those 50 years? Or were the Chinese really going to, you know, the authorities in Beijing, were they really going to maintain Hong Kong from 1997 all the way until 2047 and then cold turkey one day to the next, you know, the the old system is gone. And again, it doesn't take much imagination to to see that, of course, the Chinese were going to, in a a steady incremental way, going to move Hong Kong into its fold. And that may necessarily then have to be the new normal. I have to say just one final point on that, Glenn, is is, uh, some reassurance that the Chinese have already, through the Global Times newspaper, you possibly saw those comments, uh, in essence said that there was not going to be a repeat of what they termed the June 4, 1989 political incident. So that's at least something. But But having said that, there's, you know, troops troops doing exercises in quotes in Shenzhen. We saw a big column of trucks coming in in, in, the, in the past week, uh, you know, not too veiled uh, reminder that there is power across the border. Uh, sure. Uh, Completely uh, unsurprising. Hard, hard to imagine a scenario in which those trucks and troops would actually roll into Hong Kong uh, with, uh, without a massive uh, uh, backlash. But who knows? I don't know. It's who happened knows? in other places. Yeah, you know, think yeah. of Bahrain in uh, 2013 and mm. Saudi tanks mm. rolling across the border into Bahrain. Different situation, 
clearly different region, but you know the threat, I suppose, of some military action is always going to be there. And and yeah. you wouldn't expect the Chinese to do anything else. What are they going to do? Just sit back and let things take their course? Of course sure. Not. With all this global uncertainty, Mark, uh, your your work with Riabu uh, really interests me. Tell us about what that is, because as business people try to maintain a solid business foundation and footing um, in economic uncertainty, there is always the the issue of cash flow. And how is Riabu helping to bridge that bridge that gap or make that more functional for for uh, companies? Well, in essence, uh, Riabu is a new venture which uh, runs in concurrence with uh, with our existing uh, coaching business. So no change to that. But you see, the the issue that every business has is getting their invoices paid on time. Mm. Anybody who's ever sold a product or service will will know this experience. You've uh, engaged with a client, you've signed a contract of some sort or a supply agreement, you ship off the product or service, and then you send your invoice. And then, and then you wait. And then, yes, <laughs> and then you hope that your invoice is going to get paid on time. Right. And because that is, even in the best of times, there's always some wiggle room that people use in order to just delay payments by another week, another month, or longer. That's just getting worse at times that the economy is slowing and everybody's trying to hang on to their cash for a little while longer. Mm -hmm. And so what Riabu aims to do is to ensure that when you submit your invoices to your customer, that your invoice migrates from the can pay pile to the top of the must pay pile. And obviously, there are a variety of ways in which you can do that. In essence, Riabu provides accreditation so that you develop the processes internally to ensure that your customers always pay you on mm. time, as well as uh, build a community. And, uh, and obviously, there is a data aspect as well, because quite clearly, if you were able to tell which of your customers like to maximize the excuses and the wiggle room, then you might approach them somewhat differently. Yeah. With Mark Laudy in the studio this morning on Weekend Mornings, uh, managing partner of Riabu, how does that process actually work, Mark, in a practical way? Well, the first thing thing that you need to realize is that when you don't get paid on time, chances are it's your own fault. And I know nobody likes to hear that. And, and we all like to blame the customer. You know, oh, I sent my invoice. How come they haven't paid it yet? And I've sent them the reminder emails and I've called them up and now I have to resort to legal letters. Mm. All of that is unnecessary. Right. If you start with the premise that actually there is something that you can do, you can influence your customer to pay your invoices on time. It's really how you approach the whole transaction right from the get-go that makes all the difference. Okay. And while that's obviously easy for me to say here on the radio and much harder to put into practice, the fact is that if you go into this uh, relationship with your customer with the uh, understanding that you can do something, that you can say things, that you can schedule things, that you can run through a certain process to make sure that your order to cash process is one of both that it's smooth, that you get paid on time, and you continue to have great relationships with your customers, then you're on a good then you're on a good track. I think that I think that's a big part of it too. The the last part you mentioned, having keeping the good relationships, because those of us who chase clients for money, there comes a point where after the second, third, fourth email, uh, there's a bit of an edge, you know, in the voice after you've been waiting thirty not thirty days, but 60 days, 90 days mm -hmm. and more. And keeping that relationship whole is so important because after all, you do want to go back and have you know future business dealings with them. Spot on, Glenn. And that's precisely the problem, that as soon as you get anywhere near chasing an invoice, in mm -hmm. other words, making that phone call, writing those emails and 
heaven forbid, legal letters, right. it, there's very little coming back to a normal customer relationship right. after you've sent a legal So Riabu kind of gets in, the, in that process? Yes. And so what Riabu does is teaches you in how to make sure that the process is set right from the beginning so that you never, ever have to make a collections call, yeah. ever. And your relationship with the customer is one predicated on solid customer service where the customer can't wait to do business with you again. Mm. It is possible, but your first step must be that you recognize that you do have an opportunity to influence. It's not just I send my invoice and now it's all the customer's fault. Right. Mark Laudy, the managing partner, Riabu. Uh, so great to have you in the studio again, our weekend news and review for other international stories, and also talk about your latest venture, Riabu, helping people to get paid on time and keep relationships whole. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks for having me. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.